Today, we learn about consistency and authenticity, what human plus digital means in the payments and foreign exchange world. Sat down with Alfred Nader, the North American president of OFX. He shares stories from his customer-centric culture and how they not only stay consistent in their promise, but how they innovate and how do they balance investments into digital. Please welcome Alfred. You're listening to C-Suite Blueprint, the show for C-Suite leaders. Here we discuss no BS approaches to organizational readiness and digital transformation. Let's start the show. Alfred, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. What I've loved about your journey is you, you talked about in some of your prior companies how you, you invested in digital to, to really uh, remove some of the human effort. And, and now you're at an organization where you're, you're investing in digital still, if, probably more. It's not to remove the human, it's to still layer on the human. And I, I'd like to start with the human question there, which is what's that mind shift been like for you as you've gone through that transformation? It, it's been great, and it was one of the reasons why I came to OFX, because when I was speaking with our CEO, Skander Malcolm, you know, he had this vision of a human plus digital. And if you read any of our you know, investor material, you know, we, talk about that, uh, we talk about that a lot. But you need to invest in digital, right? Because everyone has a smartphone. Every single person uh, wants to be able to do things, you know, as they're waiting in line for lunch or, you know, commuting. Um, so we invested in that since the beginning of our company. But the human aspect is so important. Our clients can make payments on, our, on their system 24 hours a day. We've invested in our infrastructure, in our human infrastructure, where we have employees around the world answering the phone. We're not outsourcing. We have actual OFX employees sitting in our major centers that are answering the phone 24 hours a day. And we continue to invest as our client population grows. We continue to hire more people. So as, as leaders, we always have to push and pull the levers of investment in return to figure out you know, how things balance out. It's a simple equation to say, if we invest in this part of digital, it's going to remove this much effort. We'll have X amount of savings. In your human plus digital world, how do you... How do you figure out what that measurement is? Or, or do you even, how's that work for you? The easiest way is for us to look at our back book of clients. When clients start working with us, do they stay working with us, right? Hmm. And we've had, uh, you know, we have data showing that once we have cli a client in the door and they see what we bring to the table, they're more likely to continue with us, right? So, you know, the other day I wrote a card to a client in, in Arizona who had been a client of ours for, you know, almost 15 years. You know, I sent him a note congratulating him and thanking him for his business for the last 15 years. And, uh, and I'm really proud of those moments, right? That someone has been with us for 15 years. And in the cross-border uh, payment space, there's a lot of new entrants, you know, banks are always, you know, popping their head up again when they decide that it's, uh, it's, it's once again a profitable segment. But this gentleman has been with us for 15 years, and we really appreciate that. So that's, uh, I can look at it in the numbers, and I can look at it in the tenure of our clients. When our clients have been with us for over a decade, that means we're doing something right. That's fantastic. Data doesn't lie, but you have to look at the right data. Uh, yeah, so you need to look at it. In the, you know, and it's, it's just, you know, the proof is in the data. When people tell me that, that's when I look a little closer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because I want to know the context behind all of that. Absolutely. So I'm going to get a little selfish here because the, the way it. you're describing OFX and, and how it's different, um, we, we talk about ourselves the same way. And I always pride myself on these 
surprise and delight moments that we have. But where we struggle, and I'm curious if you've struggled with this or how you attack it, is um, I feel like everyone in every industry says that they do it differently. And it's like, who do you believe, right? And, and mm-hmm. it's not until you're, you actually get them inside that then they probably become an advocate. But do you, do you find yourselves getting lost in a sea of other voices? Or how do you differentiate yourselves out in the market to, to truly explain to people how different you are without them experiencing it? Oh, my gosh. That was... That was so well put in a sea of voices. You know, that's such an interesting question because I'm sitting here in San Francisco, in case you can't tell by the tie-dye wallpaper in in our office, our U.S. headquarters, our North American headquarters are here in San Francisco, and I'm working and competing against companies who have ball pits, ping pong tables, you know, sushi, you know, uh, M&Ms. I mean, everything is free, and I can't offer that. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't have ball pits. I don't have ping pong tables. I don't have an arcade. I don't have a slide. Um, and what you're seeing now is a lot of these companies are you know, cutting back. They're not offering all this free food anymore. But what I think is extremely important is that we treat our employees well above market during periods of instability and periods of boom. Because I believe that if you treat an employee well and with respect and if you show actual concern about their life and their professional development and the benefits that they receive and their work-life balance all the time, regardless of the economic cycle, they're going to remember that and they're going to stay with you because I want employees to stay. I don't want an employee to come here, work for two years and leave because, you know, we spent a lot of time and investment on that company. I want an employee to come here, start their their career you know in this industry or continue their career in this industry and if they wish to grow within the company right um i'm able to show i'm able to point to any department uh and i'm able to say that person started over here on the consumer team that person started over here in the operations team and now they're leading this team no i don't have a ball pit but uh you know i pay for 100 percent of your health insurance um i don't have i don't have sushi nights but uh we have Plenty of drink, Pepsi products in the uh, in the fridge. I'm a Pepsi guy, sorry. Um, but uh, and I can have you talk to a number of employees who have gotten many many promotions and have developed their career, you know, working here at OFX. It's amazing how long consistency and authenticity go. A hell of a lot longer than ball pits for sure. I mean, and authenticity is is what it's all about, right? You know, I'm obviously biased. I love working here. This is the best company that I've uh, that that I've ever worked for, and it starts at the top, right? Um, Skander Malcolm has hired a team of global, you know, business people, people who know what it's like. And if you have happy executives, you know, it just filters down. He spends a lot of time. He's the only person I've ever heard of that does skip level reviews, right? So before he does my annual evaluation, he speaks to all my direct reports to find out what it is that I'm doing well and what it is that I need work on, right? And the first time that I saw that, I was a little scared. I was like, oh my God, Um, you know, I'm not sure if I, I like this idea, but, you know, I bought into it and I thought it was a fantastic job because I, you know, I'm obviously not the finished product and anyone that thinks they are the finished product he encourages me to to get better, and in turn, I do the same thing with my employees, and they do the same thing with their staff. So it's just uh, it's a uh, it's a great cycle. That's great, man. The skip level is so valuable, and there's an interesting point you made: is that that first one, you're like, "What is this?" And I, what I found is, I people will hold back. The only way to truly make those skip levels valuable 
is you need to put in the time to just, again, consistency to, to do them over time. And once you've done it enough and done it consistently and, and bring your values to that meeting, then the good stuff starts to come out of those skip levels. Right. So it's yeah, uh, yeah. certainly not. I mean, a I've worked one. at, I've worked at companies where I didn't even receive a performance evaluation, right? Like I would mm. receive something in my email, I'd read about it, you know, and that was it. You know, it was never a one-to-one. I love hearing real stories from the streets. I'm curious if you got some top of mind human plus digital stories at OFX that, that you could share. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one that happened uh, a couple months ago. So I have a rule. Anytime I travel for business, I need to get at least one business card, right? Mm. Because if I'm traveling for business, I need to show ROI on that trip, right? Um, and I started doing this, you know, early in my career, and I just never stopped. You know, it helps that I just like talking to people. But I was in uh, I was in Australia. I was flying to Australia, where our headquarters are, over in uh, over in Sydney. And I started speaking to uh, to a gentleman in uh, the immigration line, right? And he was American, and we started talking. And he was uh, he was telling me that uh, that uh, he became an, an Australian citizen, and you know, he moved his whole life over. You know, he asked me what I did, and I told him, you know, I work for OFX. And he said, oh, I'm a client. And I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, that was the scariest moment of my life, and you guys made it so easy. I was like, oh, my God, tell me about this because this is perfect. Mm. Um, th- this is what we work for. He was like, it was the, I was buying a house in Australia, and it was the largest transaction I was ever making in my life. I was sending over a significant amount of money. And you guys were there to walk me through the process to tell me what documents I needed to provide. And I had you on the phone and everything went smoothly. My money got there in a day. I was able to buy the house of my dreams and I will always speak highly of OFX, right? So it was something that it, it could have been scripted because it was such a genuine interaction, right? And I told him, I said, you know, we work every single day hoping that clients feel what you felt because we really take every single dollar that people send with us very seriously. And the fact that you were able to just encapsulate all of our hard work into a few sentences, um, you know, showing that fear, you know, just really just made my day. I told him, you know, it's like, you're giving me a, you're giving me goosebumps here. I, I really, really appreciate that. So he and I still keep in contact over LinkedIn. He's someone that has uh, been in the industry for, for a while, but that was a, uh, that was a happy customer sitting in line at the, uh, at the immigration over in Sydney. So that's, that, that's one example. That'll get you out of bed in the morning. Those types of stories, huh? You know, it's so much fun. You know, I, I like to, I like to carve out time every week to go in and listen to calls, right? So I log on to the system and I'm listening to calls and it makes me happy. You know, we have a staff here in, uh, in San Francisco. I hear them, you know, speaking to people, answering questions, you know, calming themselves. Cause when people are sending their money, it's scary sometimes, you know, you're sending money from point A to point B. You hear stories from back in the day where it would take two weeks for money to get there. And, you know, with us, you know, you're getting it usually in 24 hours, if not less. But you have a human being to talk to. You don't have a chat bot who's answering your questions in a, you know, in a monotonous tone. You know, you're speaking to human beings. And we try to hire people that speak different languages so that if you're more comfortable speaking in uh, your mother tongue, you know, we have French, we have Spanish, we, we have Swahili, we have a number of Arabic. We have a number of, uh, of uh, our staff that can speak foreign languages and, and we can help you. Um, and it's and for us, it's both for, for companies and for individuals, right? So it's not just individuals 
that uh, that that we that we service. Sometimes, one of our corporate clients may get a call from their supplier in China at 12 o'clock at night, and they need to get on the phone with their provider. And guess what? Their bank's closed, but we're open, mm. right? And they can actually speak to a human being. So it's uh, that that human plus digital is something. It's part of our DNA, and uh, now where you know the economy is starting to to flutter just a little bit we have a we have some of our competitors that need to invest in the human in, in the human uh, element but they can't afford to right now we already have that infrastructure and just continue to strengthen that yeah you don't want to be late on that investment because it takes it takes longer than you think that's for sure i'm you know with with such a a customer centric culture i'm curious if there's any frameworks or kind of process or or you know, tricks that you do to keep your team grounded in who the the customer is and who the human is. Like, do you, do you start, like you said, you listen to calls. Do you, do you have kind of uh, have that across the company? Do you have stories up on the walls? I love those like real tangible ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So I believe in over communication. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's something that, that that's, that's really important. Um, one of uh, one of our uh, uh, gentlemen by the name of Steve Sargent, um, he used to be the chairman of our board. He told me once that when you think you're communicating enough, you're not, right? Um, and I always kept that in the back in the back of my mind. Um, I hold. Uh, we obviously have monthly, you know, all hands calls where we're going through the previous month's results. I also started something where it's ask me anything, right? Obviously, I'm in San Francisco, so I need to. Uh, to, to, to adopt, but recently with the, we, we just had a merger where we acquired a um, you know, 200 person company based in, uh, in Edmonton. And the Ask Me Anything sessions were so important, you know, just to bring reassurance to these people about the new company, right? Mm-hmm. They now have a new company, they have a new logo, they have you know, someone new that's you know, paying, paying uh, them every single, every single month. And that gave them an avenue to ask questions directly of the executive in the region, um, and it's uh, it's something that a lot of uh, the leadership here in North America and globally also do as well. Um, we have a huge open. I mean, now everything is virtual, but we have an open door policy. My calendar is not locked. You know, I don't have my EA controlling it. If somebody wants to book 10, 20, 30 an hour with me, they can go on my calendar and book that time, right? Um, and we love to share successes, right? So if most of our teams have, uh, have you know, team chats that are, that are happening throughout the day, they're sending snippets of good phone calls of what good sounds like, you know, a positive client review that took place, you know, where, where someone is, uh, is praised, um, and we're always, always sharing that. And, uh, and in our industry as well, you know, there's a lot of uh, fraudsters out there. Mm-hmm. And I love celebrating when we're able to, to catch a fraudster. You know, we used to have a fraud wall of fame where we used to just slap no, it up on the, uh, on the wall saying, I just saved my client, you know, a million dollars. I just saved my client $300,000. You know, those are, those are things that happen every day. And again, it's that human element. There was a there was a guy up in Edmonton. I was listening to his phone call, and he sent it to me, and he was so excited. Alfred, you got to listen to this phone call, and it was one of his clients was making a million dollar payment over to uh, over to Eastern Europe, and this gentleman was looking at it, and it was it was you know he he thought it was weird. I was like, why are they changing from this country to this country? It doesn't make sense. So he gave him a call and said, Hey, listen, can you do me a favor? Can you please call your vendor on the phone? 
in a number that you've spoken to him before and make sure that this is right because something sounds strange. And it wasn't right. Someone had had hacked into the company's, uh, into you know our client's cl- supplier's email, and was sending sending out uh, false bank information. So mm. that human element, you know, that may not appear in my financial statements, but that's a hell of a return on investment, if you ask me. You know, sure we is. saved a client a million dollars. I'll take that ROI any day. Like yeah, and I love yeah. the fraud wall. It's, it's like the next generation of the. The bad checks on the wall behind the bar kind of a deal, right? <laughs> you see, for, for your international listeners, they won't know that in the United States, we still have paper checks, right? <laughs> um, which is another story for another day. One nugget that you said in there that I, I really loved, it really resonates with me, is the you had people sitting around, here's what good sounds like. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been burnt because people are not aligned on what good looks like or good sounds like. And you just end up with frustration on both sides in that scenario Um, because we recently had our all hands. And and what I was talking about is good isn't we did the job. Good is the the person on the other end has this emotional response where they say, oh, my God, I didn't know that it could be that great. You know, and I think that that's so powerful. You know, I'll I'll, I'll add to that. I was speaking. So um, I meet with every new employee at the company uh, within the first week of them joining, right? If you start in North America, you're going to speak to me, right? It's good and bad, but uh, I really, it's important for me to meet every single employee. And uh, one of our new employees up in uh, Toronto, he told me this was the best onboarding experience I've ever had because on my first day, I had recordings of calls showing me what good sounded like. You know, mm. this is what a good prospecting call sounds like. This is what a good, um, you know, know your client KYC call sounds like. So he was able to really start off knowing, all right, this is what I need to aspire to, right? Instead of guessing or anything like that. Um, so uh, as long as we keep on, and we will, because again, it's part of our DNA, but we keep on, you know, putting our employees first and uh, lifting those up to show others, you know, how great they are, I think we'll continue, uh, you know, in the in the trajectory that we're going. Oh, man, I just took a note for myself. I, I, I definitely meet with everyone, but it's it's on their 30, 60 plan. So it, it's sometimes it's too long. I think I might force myself up to, to one week based off of what you're saying. It's uh, uh, someone someone asked me, how do you have time to do that? And uh, and I said, this person is choosing to work at the company I lead, I have time for them. You know, mm-hmm. it's a you know they they have a million different companies that they can uh, that they can work at, and they chose to work here. You know, that that means something to me. And uh, and if if someone can't take you know ten or fifteen minutes to say hello, to get to know them, to answer any questions that they have about the company, then you know I uh, I I'll scratch my head on that. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's 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 very important to me. On over uh, communicating, which you talked about earlier, I. Couldn't agree more. And and we do an EMPS survey with our employees every quarter. And that's been a common theme. And we're not even that big that, that, you know, I feel like we're communicating and we're not. I'm curious if you have any frameworks that have worked with you. I've started leaning more towards a you got to say it three times, maybe in three different places. I I think that that's working for me. But I'm curious if you have any any guidelines or frameworks you've been leveraging. I have uh, one on ones with my direct reports, either every every week or every every two weeks. Um, we have weekly uh, leadership team meetings, and once a month we have an extended leadership team meeting, right, where it's my directs, directs that, uh, that come. 
And it's just really important that you are driving home those key points that, that you want to, uh, to accomplish, right? Every year, I make my personal KPIs public, right? I said, look, this is what my, I'm going to be evaluated on this year, you know? And, uh, and I make sure that every single one of my direct reports shares at least one KPI with me, right? Because we're, we're in it to win it together. Um, and then if everyone is very, very aligned there from an evaluation perspective, you know, that tends to trickle down, right? What I found is I really pay attention to engagement surveys. Some people love engagement surveys. Some people detest them. I love them. I'll read every single comment, every single one, every single year. And you have to listen to those. And if someone is saying that they don't know about what's happening, then we need to to fix that. And the easiest way to do is to over-communicate. So mm. talk about it in your one-on-ones. You talk about it in your leadership team meetings. You talk about it in your extended team meetings. And you make it a focus. And then the managers will then you know make sure that those messages trickle down. But um, next, probably next month, when my KPIs are finalized during the all-hands call, I will show them, look, this is how I am going to be evaluated for, for this year. And there's no ambiguity on uh, on what direction we're going in. I'm curious if you're able to share, you know, what is your focus on digital right now? What's next? You know, what are you leaning into? Yeah, so the the payments industry is a fascinating industry because it's global, right? So in a sense, my job is to make sure that money gets from point A to point B, right? Um, my other job is to make sure that my clients are protected from, from any exchange rate fluctuations. My job is to make sure that all of my clients are able to do their job in an easy way, right? In a productive way, in an efficient way. So when you're talking about digital and efficiencies, we're talking about uh, integrations to systems, right? We're talking about uh, automating you know, manual processes, we're talking about uh, plugging into local clearing networks so that money can get there faster and cheaper than what people are used to. And as more countries you know, evolve and invest in their payment infrastructure, and that includes the United States, by the way, who is, uh, is, is behind the curve on a, on a lot of things, um, our clients are going to see the effect of that. And a lot of it will be behind the scenes, right? A lot of it you know, we, we, I was listening to a phone call a couple of, uh, of months ago and someone said, yeah, my supplier sent me, sent me an email saying that he got, uh, he got payment the same day that I sent it. He's like, do you guys change something? And you know, a lot of these changes that we're making, our clients don't even see. Cause sometimes mm -hmm. I'm doing a good job when no one's, no one's, uh, uh, calling, right? That means payments are getting moved uh, across, but when they need, if they need it, we're there. Right, which is really important. So that's where we're looking at, really, as far as uh, investment in digital. It's infrastructure, more sophisticated APIs, integrations, and also integrations with partners, right? Financial institutions, uh, insurance companies, so that their clients can benefit from a from a smooth, you know, payment experience. Yeah. What are the challenges? What do you? What are the boulders in the way to get there? When we're in financial services, we get put into groups, right? So right now with what's happening here in the United States with uh, Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic, you know, people say, well, why should I use you 
if I'm using my big bank over here, can't what happened to Silicon Valley Bank happen to you? Or mm. if you look what's happening with crypto right now and, you know, the every day that you turn on the news, you know, someone's getting indicted for this, that or the other thing. I don't touch crypto. You know, we do not touch crypto in any way, shape or form. But it's the same license, right? It's a money services business license. So I get lumped into that. You know, I had a regulator walk by here the other day and I was showing him around, answering questions that uh, that, that he had. And, and he was telling me, he's like, oh, I wasn't, he was new to the uh, to the IRS. He said, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting um, this. And I was like, why? He's like, oh, because I've been going into a lot of crypto shops and uh, it's literally two guys working in a, in a room. And I was like, no, we're, you know, and I walked him through our entire infrastructure just to educate him. So the regulatory environment, even though we do everything um, the right way, we keep very constant and up-to-date communications with all of our regulators. We try to go above and beyond what they're asking for because we can kind of see the trends and, and where things are going. But getting grouped together with some of the uh, some of the, the other players is 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 uh, I would say is a cloud in the sky, um, and then the others. My answer is very different than it would have been three months ago, hmm. because before we were competing against companies who weren't worried about profitability, right? All they were worried about was top line revenue. So when you don't have to worry about profitability or positive operating leverage or showing your, because we're a publicly traded company, showing your investors quarter on quarter, year on year growth, running a business is very easy, but it looks like the carnival has ended for a lot of them. Now, a lot of companies that were gaining market share by making zero or negative margin are now increasing fees across the board. OFX has continued you know, charging a fair rate always. And we're seeing a lot of clients coming back from, from some of these newer entrants. Um, so that had been a definite cloud in the sky. Uh, and now it's, it's, it's less of one, right? But you can never stop innovating because the moment you stop is when Ubers appear and destroy industries, right? Um, I'm sure that uh, there were very... A lot of unhappy candle makers when, when uh, Edison was around, right? There was a lot of unhappy uh, cab drivers when Uber came around, but they were solving a problem that people weren't, uh, weren't answering. So we're always, always innovating. Nice. Yeah, it sounds like that combo of innovating on top of that consistency that you have is just going to play off play out well for the long game, right? Yeah, um, I mean, look, we're a 25-year-old company. You know, we are here for the long run. Our strategy doesn't shift with the wind, right? We're very clear with our investors and with our team what our strategy is. Even during the pandemic, you know, we we kept moving forward and we grew during the pandemic, right? Uh, the, the, the first, I was amazed at how prepared we were. Every single person had a, had a laptop um, that, you know, even before things started getting shut down because we, you know, our chief operating officer, Mark Shaw, he saw the writing on the wall, and I mean, and I don't know how he did that because I thought it was amazing, but he started ordering laptops before the supply chain issues. And everyone in the company, right, you know, we, we had around 500 people at the company at the time. Everyone at the company got a laptop within a month, um, and then a month later, things started shutting down. But we were ready. You know, it was, uh, it was amazing. That's great. Your whole story is inspiring. I've already got some homework items. I love to finish these, uh, these episodes on a question, a fun question back to you, which is um, throughout your life, personal or work, what's the best advice you've ever received? 
It was by uh, Dr. James Ferrer. I used to uh, I used to intern with him back in uh, back in D.C. when I was an undergraduate, and he said success is measured by attention to detail, right? Mm. And I never forgot that. So it's spending a couple minutes rereading an email you're about to send, going through a deck before you present it, you know, just one more time to make sure that that comma isn't uh, isn't missing or that, you know, what you're trying to, you know, put put forward is coming across clearly. That's one that has always, always stuck with me. Yeah. And he was uh, he was a great man that uh, that hired a long haired kid from Nebraska. And, uh, you know, it was my first time in an office and, and he really took the time and, and, you know, showed me the way. That's interesting, because what's funny is I feel like I, a lot of times I witness um, inattention to detail being uh, excuses being made for that. You know, oh, they're a big thinker. You know, they're not a details person They're not whatever. But I, I do find anytime I see someone getting too far away from the details, it's just bad stuff starts to happen so that, it's that makes uh, and, and and it's and it's something that's really really important because you can never spend too much time on 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 the fine things right um and and look if you spend an extra two minutes rereading an email life's going to be okay at the end of the day right you're still going to have time to you know take your kids to soccer practice to swim practice to meet up with your buddies after work it's just uh your your product is more polished and that's what it's all about your interaction with the client is clear and concise and that's and that's important wise words alfred thanks so much for being here i really enjoyed it george awesome seeing you again thanks for having me you've been listening to c-suite blueprint if you like what you've heard be sure to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss a new episode and while you're there we'd love it if you could leave a rating Just give us however many stars you think we deserve. Until next time.